Hi, and welcome to Driving Leadership. I'm David Foster. I'm Mike Metcalf. And I'm Sean Pete. And today we're talking about how to handle failure as a leader. Your failure, your employee's failure, and failure inside your business. We'll talk about why failure is necessary, plus strategies that are more successful and maybe a few strategies that are less successful. And so I'll throw out the first question. What counts as failure when you're a leader? I think the first thing is just the that that <laughs> the, the understanding or knowing where you've let your teammates down or your group down. Uh, and then that's both kind of external where other people are looking at you where something went wrong. But then there's also that understanding like internally of, man, I could have done better or um, I perceive myself as a failure. Sometimes we're our own toughest critics. Maybe things were good on the surface, but we know they could have been much better. And to me, I think that's just failure just the same. Yeah, I, you know, I would add on to to just say like, you know, any... You know, any moments of, of when you're being inauthentic, any moments that you're not selfless, any moments, um, uh, you know, like I said, when you're putting yourself first, any, like anything but your best, you know, I, I think that's all a failure of leadership. Um, it's not, you know, making a strategic error more so than not not doing what do, leaders do, which is put people in position to succeed. I think that's where I think that's where I would start. Yeah, I would I would agree with the awareness part. In in my mind, I think that a, a big sign of failure with the people that I work with is not accepting failure as a part of life, making it a, a severe negative that needs to be avoided. I think the other indication that that a, a leader is having trouble with failure is that they give up, or that they allow their people to give up, and that's kind of like what you were saying, Sean. That that doesn't put somebody in a in a position of success if you allow somebody you encourage somebody or you exemplify giving up when something doesn't work and i i sort of go back to this quote which was given to me by my college coach and is still hanging actually in my my son's room about it's not the critic who counts but the man in the arena and i think that that constant striving even though the odds are difficult and you have experienced failure i think that that really is the is the path where you can learn from failure well i agree we actually have that quote in our gym um you know because mike and i think it's profound and you know we're we have a very unique relationship with failure we're in the failure business our job is to change four tires in 11 seconds Mm -hmm. um so so believe me we know failure um, but I think as a society, we get failure wrong. You know, I think a lot of us look at successful people and think that they've never failed. And, and I think we all know that, that nothing could be further from the truth. You know, we look up at successful people um, because they stand on a mountain of failures. They just yeah. do two things better than we do. They don't let it stop them and they don't let it define them. And, and I think if we can stop looking at failure as a, as a hard stop, um, I think that's when we start understanding the the immensity, the power that lies within failure, if you're willing to learn from it. I think also, um, you know, we <laughs> failure is a tricky word. Uh, we think it's a bad thing and it's the end. And like you said, David, you know, allowing your teammates to quit. You know, sometimes not every good idea is a good idea. You know, and not every process is a good one. So every now and then letting your teammates 
stop and say, hey, we're going to do something different. I mean, maybe that is quitting. Some people, you know, it's a it's all about the perspective of the situation, what you're learning from it and your trajectory and where, where you're going. You know, failure tends to be something that stops people. Um, you know, we, we always just refer to it as a speed bump. We still have to keep racing. We have loose wheels. We have penalties. We have issues. We blow a restart. You know, there's so many things that go wrong. These are all little failures. And then there's each lap, each turn, each corner. Sometimes the drivers are failing. But, you know, as long as there's momentum and speed, you know, you still have a chance to, to be successful. I think I would hesitate to describe it as a speed bump because that seems like something that it, it doesn't stop progress, but it sort of slows it down. And you know, failure is necessary to learn. Like it's scientifically proven that you need a certain amount of stress in a somewhat supportive situation and then, you know, almost rest afterwards to be able to reorient yourself to do something slightly different to achieve your goal, right? And so in a lot of ways, and again, with people that I work with, I'll use that as an example, if their report or their understanding of the way things are working is that they don't fail. You know, we think things through so well that we just never fail, we've never had a problem. Well, maybe they're not doing the right thing, right? Maybe they're not even trying to do something as much as they're trying not to fail, right? And so, you know, I think that you're right that failure is seen almost the wrong way in society, right? It is seen as an end. But I think that, you know, if, if you're listening to this, dear listener, and you've got something that you're struggling with and like, you know, this initiative that we had or, you know, this team is not working and it seems like it's failing, instead of seeing that as an end, see that as guidance, right? It's just as simple as throwing something at a target and you're off to the right well, then maybe you'll aim to the left a little bit more. And, you know, one of the things that I really want to ask both of you is you often say that you're failure coaches, right? And I'm really curious what you mean by that. Like what, you obviously don't teach people that they should fail, yep. but what is it that you coach them to do? We coach them to be excellent, right? Mm -hmm. And failure is almost always the precursor to excellence. Right. Mm -hmm. It'd be like um, having a home run coach before you had a hitting coach. Mm -hmm. Right. We failure is going to be on the front side of that, regardless if you want it to be there or not. Mm -hmm. So when I say we're failure coaches, a big part of our job is to help people and our athletes in, in particular navigate failure. You know, what we do, we operate right on the verge of what's humanly possible. And mm -hmm. oftentimes what you'll see is excellence, human brilliance, um, extraordinary feats are right on the edge of failure, right? You got to go right up to the edge of it. If you go a little too far, you're going to fail, mm -hmm. right? But so many of us aren't willing to go out that far because we don't want to be defined. We're so terrified of failure. We never get to the fullest expression of ourselves. So I think when I say we're failure coaches, such a big part of my, what Mike and I do is to help people understand, hey, you know, failure's part of it. Failure's what's going to get us the result that we want. And it's going to be necessary for you to fail um, so that we succeed in those big moments. I agree 100%. And I want to jump in there and say they don't want to be defined by failure, 
right? I think we can all agree on that. Correct. But I want to I want to say, who's doing the definition there, right? Obviously, yeah. some people define themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't fill in the blank, make the team, make the target, make the sale, whatever. So therefore, I'm a failure, or that thing is a failure. But if you're talking about somebody in a position of leadership, they have the ability to really influence what that definition of failure means, right? Right. And so I, I think you're on to something there because if, you know, it's, it's kind of like that, it's, it's a common joke, at least in business, it's somebody, you know, somebody at work makes a mistake, costs the company $10 million. Next morning he goes in to see his boss, knowing full well that he's going to get fired. He just wants to have that last conversation. Goes in to talk to his boss and he says, I understand that you're going to have to fire me. And his boss says, why the hell would I fire you? I just spent $10 million training you not to make that mistake again. Right? Love that. Love that. <clears throat> and, and so I think that, you know, if, if, if you're listening to this, and you're dealing with failure because you're right it is always there you can really affect how people see that whether it's your failure or somebody else's failure yeah i mean i i get into it with people uh, sometimes daily but at least weekly uh, (laughs) on our team because i failure is going to happen. Like at some point, something is going to break down. And I think it's unwise to think that everything is going to go, you know, euphorically. Mm-hmm. And so I, I build in these things or challenges and a lot of people get frustrated with me saying, you know, this, this isn't always the case. This may not happen, but what if it mm-hmm. does? <laughs> you know, let's be prepared for it. <clears throat> and I think, um, there's a quote from a, a guy, uh, maybe a relative of yours. I know his last name is Foster, but just says that success is never an accident. It's always mm-hmm. a result. And there's more to that. But you have to plan for it. You have to plan for when things break down or when things don't go right and breakdowns in communication and things like that. And and knowing how to handle the other side of that is sometimes more important than what you, the actual failure itself. Like knowing mm-hmm. how to rebound, knowing how to to get back up and keep going, how to piece the you know put the pieces back together. I think you learn so much in that part, and I think that's where those like failure coach. It's it's okay. We are going to fail now. How we're going to handle it? That's where I think we kind of maybe have a little different ideology than most people. You know, the biggest thing, you know, you talk about like how, how failure, the words that you use that surround failure within your team or your organization. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we talk about all the time is failing quickly, right? Because mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is we can all handle failure, right? What, what we struggle with and what kills companies and teams is compounding failure. So we talk about all the time, fail quickly. We want you to fail quickly. Like if you give, it's almost like a cognitive cradle for our athletes, Look, you fail, I'm fine with it. Just fail quickly. Mm-hmm. So they're in, they're, we'll take on the failures, right? Failure at the racetrack, that's coaching. That's on us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The quickly part is on them. That's the mental part, right? So if you fail quickly, failure, and, failure <laughs> you know, we think success is just stringing together no hitters. That's a mm-hmm. lie, right? Success is trajectory. It has nothing to do with position. You know, it's up and to the right. If we can keep doing that, 
we will be successful regardless of how many failures show up, mm -hmm. right? But it's if, if we can fail quickly. So what that looks like on a pit stop, if you miss the first lug nut, hit the next five succinctly. You know, if you miss, miss it on the right side, be great on the left side. You know, mm -hmm. so many of us, like we said, will hang on to a failure and then it just compounds and it affects next day's practice or the your 10 o'clock meeting and then your 11 o'clock. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's not failure that's the killer. It's compounding failure. Right. And I think that goes back to the definition, right? Because if, if I'm on your crew and I miss a lug nut, in some ways you have a huge amount of sway over how I understand that and what's possible for me after I, after I miss that lug nut, right? right. Because if, if, if a leader says, okay, this is, this is not what is supposed to happen, right? Like, let's, let's, let's be clear about that. Like, let's not mince words. The, the car is safer when all the nuts are tightened down the way they're supposed to be, right? Correct. However, what we need to take away from that is, you know, we need to, we need to pull it apart, accept it. Where do you think you made your mistake? Right? Where do you think you can change things so that you don't make that same mistake? And depending on what kind of relationship you have with that person as a leader, that might be a great time to say, I made the same mistake or I made something similar, or this helped me, maybe it would help you, right? And right. so it goes to that definition where failure almost sort of like leaves the negative sphere. Not that it's a good thing, but in some ways it's a sign of progress, right? Correct. And, and you know, one thing that we've found a lot of success with is reinforcing the behavior, or, or excuse me, not reinforcing, but highlighting the behavior that was absent when the failure showed up. Instead of being like, oh, you know, it's just a mistake. That's all right. Mm -hmm. Mike and I'll be like, well, we need to square our shoulders up because when we do this, this won't show up again. You know, mm -hmm. this, this is why this happened, right? So you, what you're doing is you're bringing in the behavior, what you need to see for a successful outcome instead of just highlighting the failure, right? So that you can actually use the failure as a teaching moment. And then you scrap the rest, mm -hmm. right? Pull the emotion mm -hmm. out of it, scrap the rest and move on. Mm-hmm. I think failure is also like a passion indicator. No one ever is down and out for failing to tie their shoes effectively, right? Because that doesn't matter. Unless you're three. <laughs> you, know, you only, yeah, well, like, yeah, yeah, my four-year-old, he struggles with it, but uh, he'll figure it out soon. But, um, you know, when you, man, that, you know, fumbled on the goal line at a, on a big game mm -hmm. in college or, you know, the people that missed a free throw or blew an interview, you're upset about it and you if there is failure, there's things to learn from. It doesn't have to stop you or define you. But it also lets you know, like, man, this is actually something that really lights me up. And I'm disappointed that I didn't do better mm -hmm. at it. And so I think, again, I just the whole thing for us is just reframing this whole concept of failure as not the big, bad monster that we've all made it out to be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and then my my next thought about all this is. The, the public aspect of it, right? So I, I do a lot of work with young companies, startups, founders, and they've obviously made a public decision to take a risk. And if they're not successful, well, everyone that they told about the potential success is gonna know that they didn't succeed, right? 
that's very hard to reframe as a positive because it's a it's a big life event right but in the micro sense if a leader makes a mistake how public should that be i mean i for for in that context of a young company mm-hmm. startup young leaders things like that i think it's there's nothing wrong with putting objectives and expectations and goals out in mm-hmm. the world you don't need to put all of them out there but i do think it is it is exciting for somebody to see and follow the journey and i think when we when we wrap our minds around a direction or a destiny i think the journey tends to to kind of you know kind of drift mm-hmm. that way <laughs> a lot of times people um you know, we talk about aiming, aiming, um, you know, they may aim, aim too low and hit, yeah. you know? So I think it's good to have goals. Um, I, I know like I personally had a big a company-wide public failure where I was getting laughed at in this meeting that went horribly wrong. Um, but I learned from it. <laughs> and so here I am 10 years later, uh, circling back and doing some of these same things because I had the experience and doing it with some of the same people that were laughing at me and to earn their respect, you know, for me was Mm -hmm. important. Um, Some people don't necessarily always recover from that. And so I, I don't, I, I would say I, it doesn't need to be super public, but I think if the leader is okay with talking about it, I think that gives that moment wings and gives that failure an opportunity to turn into a success. Yeah. I think, you know, David, I think, um, I think it needs to, if it doesn't crush the company, it needs to be made public. And I'll mm-hmm. give you two reasons why. First of all, you set a dangerous precedent within the company if you try to hide it. Yes, 100%. And I think what you allow then is you allow your culture, you allow everyone in it to hide their mistakes. Mm-hmm. And as companies now, what, what, are, what do we sell? We sell three things. We sell stories, relationships, and magic. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you are not willing to admit you made a mistake... Um, I don't think you can be authentic in your story because right. you're, you're, you're putting a front on, you're pretending you're something you're not. And I think it's really important to own those as, as difficult and as uncomfortable as that is. Um, I think it shows strength and actually you can turn that mistake into something that the way you handle that is a really formative moment for leaders. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be easy, but mm-hmm. again, we talked about on episode one, leadership isn't easy no right if it's hard you're doing it right 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 and i so so i would say you know i i get this question or a form of this question a lot and i would say that you know the the severity of the mistake and the 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 circle of people that you share it with are somewhat related right and so when i i've been the head of companies before I've certainly had my share of mistakes and I made a habit of swallowing the frog and on our Monday meeting executive round table, whatever, you know, whatever the company called it, that was the very first thing. Here's the things that I messed up and here are the things that I haven't fixed yet because I haven't figured out how. And if anybody's got some ideas, come see me later. Right. Right. And at one company in particular, I noticed that that became everyone's preamble, right? When it was time for product development to say, this is what's going on, they started with their mistakes. And 
we, we sort of built this little culture in that room of, okay, let me see if I can figure out how to help you. If I can't help, I'm not going to, you know, just say, well, geez, what Sean said, I just want to re- reiterate that, right? Then I think in the greater circle of the company itself, when we would have meetings or something like that, I made it okay to say, geez, I don't know, or I thought I knew, but I was wrong. And it took some time, but in that, you know, relatively small company, it became basically a different definition of failure, right? By, and I think that was by example, because those, you know, heads of the departments, the other executives went back to their departments and said something, you know, very similar. So I think that having failure as a, it's almost like you have to embrace it. Right. And I can say, at least for me and the people that I've known, it's become much less difficult once you once you practice that. Right. And what are we all we're we're all afraid of, quote unquote, being failures, of being rejected, of being run out of the village and having to live not connected to anybody else and forage for our own and never speak to anyone. But if the people around you accept it and understand and work with you, well, then it's not so dangerous, right? Correct. And, and, and it's, you know, young leaders think that they have to have all the answers and they, all those answers have to be the correct answers. That's not, yeah. that's not what leadership is, right? It's, right. it's allowing yourself grace that, hey, maybe you got it wrong, but I'm a good leader, so I'm, I got the people in the room that can help me get it right. Mm-hmm. And every time you fail, it's just like a, an indicator that, hey, you know what? I got to improve my tools. Mm-hmm. Right. Clearly, I, I missed it on this one. There's a couple of things that I need to to work on to make sure I don't miss it next time. Like I, I have like my own short list in my head about how how to deal with failure. You know, Sean, like you said, like young leaders, they come with these presuppositions that I need to be a certain way. You know, the way I act is relatively close to some script about uh, the head of a company, right, out of a Hollywood movie. And I think not giving up, taking responsibility, being very clear without being dramatic, having some sort of a plan, and also communicating that idea of failure is okay and part of the process. Those five things I think a young leader can take and even just write down and say, all right, this isn't going so well, or I haven't done this so well. Am I, am I giving up because I didn't do it perfectly? Now, Mike, you're right that sometimes, you know, you're in a process or you've tried something and you're thinking this isn't going to work out. So let's do something different. But the ultimate goal is the same of making people in the company successful, right? I would, I like four of the five, (laughs) the, uh, the have a, (laughs) the have a plan part. I think I would sub four if this is me, Mm -hmm. I like, I like the four, but I would just maybe take a little, take a little time away to unplug, Mm -hmm. like get out of that intensity of that moment and the weight of it. And just sometimes when we kind of step to the side or step back a little bit, the plan comes. Um, but when we're like, okay, we failed, we screwed up. Tuesday night, now I got to fix this, you know, Wednesday afternoon, you you may not have had, you know, it's like 
the the people that go from a really bad relationship and then they're right back in another one the, the next week it's like you haven't taken the time to learn what went wrong in this last one there's no way all of that's caught up to your brain yet so i would just i i always encourage in that moment when you fail just take some time sit with it let it sting uh think through all of it a to z where you went wrong uh and then invite other people in because a lot of times where you went wrong was, was you decided, all right, I'm going to just take this because I'm mm-hmm. the guy. I got to mm-hmm. figure it out. Maybe there's some collaboration that could have been brought in or some mentors or some, you know, I don't know. I just, I think time is important when, when we think about it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I will admit to my type A instructor trainer personality coming out in that list. Because yeah, everyone's got a, everyone's got a plan to get punched in the mouth. <laughs> Said Mike Tyson, yes. Said Mike Tyson, right. <laughs> the great leader himself. Right. What happens when your employees fail? And, you know, we've talked about the definition and making it okay. But I think, you know, one of the specific parts of helping somebody who has failed and maybe taking it badly or even taking it defensively is to talk to that person about the difference between responsibility and blame. You know, that is the most formative moment that you have as a leader, especially as a young leader or a mm-hmm. new leader to a company, how you stand beside somebody amidst their failure will define you as a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, Mike and I use this example. You know, there's a great uh, docu series on Netflix um, called Drive to Survive, mm-hmm. and the uh, the team principal for Mercedes, Total Wolf, um, he's a big reason why they've won. What is it, Mike? Seven in a row or had had? Yeah. <sighs> Seven, yeah. yeah. I think seven titles. And I think it's episode or season three, you know, they have a catastrophic failure on something. And, you know, they, the Netflix clue is there. And, you know, you expect them to go on a witch hunt to, to find the person that screwed this up. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll never forget it. He said, you know, when something like that happens, we don't look at the person, we look at the problem. Mm-hmm. And with, you know, our workplaces, there are no bigger incubators of human emotions than our workplaces, Mm -hmm. teams, right? Businesses. And so often we default to the person instead Mm -hmm. of looking at the problem first and using the answer lies right there. So really how you stand beside someone amidst failure is the big one because everyone's good when everything's good, right? But Mm -hmm. who are you when it all starts falling apart? So, And so much of that boils down to the environment that you already have built long before this failure occurred, right? So people are going to generally have an idea of how this is going to go over with management when they find out that I just screwed this up, (laughs) right? So they know which one to say to break the news to, or, you know, because this guy's going to turn my head off. This one's going to say, okay, let's talk about it. You know, so there's, there's all these things that are actually already in place before this goes on. And that's why we talk so much about culture and about environment and creating that space for people to be able to say, hey, you know, I, I'll take the blame here. And, and it's, it's important for leaders to set, like Sean was saying earlier, to like set that standard of, hey, we're going to own up to stuff and we're going to set responsibility. Yeah. And that, that points to one of my favorite questions that I ask, you know, whether it's founders or owners of the company and then the people in that company. And the first question is to the founder, do your employees tell you the truth? And the answer is 99.9%. Yes, of course they do. Then when I ask the employees, do you always tell your boss what goes on? 
you know, the percentage is not the same, right? <laughs> it's, it's definitely not the same. And I think the culture that you point to Mike is, is, is really critical. And that, you know, that may be a, a good lesson for a young leader right now. You know, if everything's going well, you can almost be guaranteed that it's not going to go well at some point in time in the future. Right. And what's going to happen when, when the product fails or when there's the unforeseen problem or somebody messes up or somebody's overloaded and they can't keep up, are they going to tell you the truth? Right. Is it going to be okay? And you're, I, Mike, you're exactly right. Like, oh, you know, I, I dented the car. I got to wait until mom comes home. Cause if I tell dad, I'm going to catch hell. Well, David, for us, it looks like uh, getting $16 million from Credit One, winning a race, and thanking Capital One for sponsoring the race car. So that's a pretty massive one that uh, <laughs> may or may not have showed up. I don't see that as your... I see that as the marketing team's fault for both the banks because they pick such similar words. Correct. And colors the whole bit. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Right. This is a concern for all of us, right? Because it's something that we have to deal with day in and day out. But it's almost like you want to create that culture that maybe doesn't celebrate the process as much as normalizes it, right? right? And so that people understand their journeys as not picking through a minefield and if they hit a mine, they blow up and that's it. They have to go get another job. But more an iterative process of getting closer and closer to a goal, readjusting your goals, making new ones and helping the people around you. But this idea of perfection really isn't everybody's friend in this way. Kind of related, but slightly different. But I was thinking, and I don't want to lose it, but, you know, when, especially as workforces get younger, um, it, when you're in environments where your failures are, um, where you're going to get the blame mm -hmm. and shame mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But when you do well, you also get praised and applauded. You know, people can handle that. They're like, all right, if I do a bad job, they're going to let me know. But if I do a good job, too, that's going to also be rewarded. A lot of our work environments, though, is like when you do a good job, that's just doing your job. But then when something breaks down, it's a big mm -hmm. deal. And so I think there's a certain balance that we can provide as leaders, I think, that would help that to where people would be more OK with that kind of like perceived failure moment if they know that okay if i continue to work hard and rectify this or re you know come back from it make it stronger then 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 that's a really good thing um i think that maybe changes you know perspective perspective for the employee. and how would you communicate that mike your group you know i think it's, yeah i think uh i think that's we we always try to lay out expectations for the year but i think it's it's up to the leaders to dictate that we are going to we're going to talk about everything mm -hmm. <laughs> here we're not going to sweep the bad stuff under the rug but we're not going to just prance over our our highlights and our, and mm -hmm. our highs mm -hmm. we're going to talk about our lows and deal with them and address them because we think they're valuable and that we can learn mm -hmm. from them um, but we're not going to just say okay good job for having the best q4 in company history and just say good job for doing mm -hmm. your job you know, we're going to take a moment and applaud that as well. So I think if uh, if there is just a, a 
you know, a congruent like understanding from all parties involved that, you know, hey, we're we we are all in on this together and we're going to learn from each other's lows and we're going to celebrate each other's highs. I think that's an expectation that people can gravitate mm -hmm. towards. Well, I think it speaks to the the process, right? That if if you have a failure in your business or you have a failure inside yourself, you, you need to look at, well, how did that happen? And what can I do to keep it from happening again? Instead of I failed, I need to avoid that or I need to fire that person or, you know, the more sophisticated business equivalent of that. I need to get this person help, right? You really need to look at what they're doing and how do you make it okay for them to not be perfect. We were talking about this earlier, the, uh, the whole from good to great, mm -hmm. you know, and, and pushing the enemy of, of uh, great is good. You know, we're okay with just being okay, but we greats out there. And I think in our push for that greatness, we've lost goodness. And that's what you're talking about, David. It's just the goodness of, hey, I'm gonna come alongside a comrade who screwed mm -hmm. up something. You know, hey, <clears throat> the goodness of just, taking the time to say, Hey, we're all human here. And you know what? It's okay. If we didn't have a blockbuster year, we're going to, we're going to keep working. We're going to sharpen our tools and we'll get mm -hmm. back at it. So, um, there's a, there's a fine line, but balance, I think between this, this goodness and greatness. And we think that as long as we are always pushing, pushing, pushing for the best, the best, the best, I think sometimes we kind of miss just those human connections along the way. Right. Right. And there is no, there is no progress in a group without those human connections. And that, that yeah. speaks to the culture and that speaks to the expectations and the way you are with somebody else. I hope that somebody listening can take away some really concrete ideas about how to deal with their own failure and how to deal with the failure that they experience in their organization and actually how to judo that into development and an ultimate success. Yeah, the only, I was just, as we're talking, I'm looking at a picture of my head of last weekend. I don't want to date this too much, but one of our tire changers had an issue and it wasn't his fault, but it was just the scenario. It ended up costing the team a lot of time. And on every other pit stop, all of them went well. And you could see his helmet camera as the car is going away. He looks back on the rest of them. People are coming up and high fiving pounding, mm -hmm. you know, good job. And on that one, everyone, as he turns away, everyone turns away from him. Yeah. And it, and it, and I was like, interesting, you know, and shame on them for, uh, <laughs> you know, in the moment of, a, a where you could easily just say, Hey, it's all good. Everything else has been good. Like we're going to get them this next time. Like everything's going to be fine, you know, shame on them. But then also I think there's a responsibility on him to, to go to the team and say, Hey, this is what broke down. Can you help me mm -hmm. with this? Or, you know, I think we can, I think, you know, we, we think about it as leaders, but some of that does fall on the employee to speak up and say, Hey, I could use mm -hmm. some help here. Or maybe we could, man, I didn't, I missed that in training. So maybe that's something we should add in. Like there's always opportunities, I think for, again, to connect <clears throat> through failure because we've all done it, but I think we, we missed those. Yeah. yeah. And the appropriate response, whether a team member or a leader is 
you know, first to be, did I, do I understand this correctly? Right. Not, not in a way that a parent would speak to a teenager who blew curfew. Do I understand that you came an hour late? Right. But you know, it looks like you, it looks like you suffered through this, you know, do you want to add anything to it? And right on the heels of that, I think, again, whether you're a team member or a leader is what can I do to help? Right. Because, because the, the, the group, the community, whether it's three people in a startup, you know, whether it's a, it's a pit crew team or whether it's a large team in a mature company, that community needs to be support for the individual. And David support in that situation, support and like great leadership in that situation is pulling the emotion out of it, pulling the emotion out of the failure. If you can do that, right. The way to proceed eventually becomes clear. The mistake becomes something. Okay. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Won't happen again. But it's it's pulling the charge out of the situation. That's what great leadership looks like in that moment. Yeah, I agree. The only thing I would the only thing I would say out loud about that is there's no way that the emotion doesn't exist. No, I agree. Right? Yep. So if if you've got a if you've got a sales manager and they they think they've got it in the can for the big sale and everything's been going great, and you see them come back to the office and they didn't make the sale or it went to a competitor, right? Like, yes, what happens, I think, practically can't be driven by a temporary emotion. But to not acknowledge the emotion is is to threaten that human connection, I think. Good point. Right? Yep, good point. So, so I think that, you know, we're not we're not parents or babysitters or counselors. But we do have to understand that, you know what, if Mike's dog died last night and he comes in and he doesn't seem like he's that enthusiastic about, you know, the new process on the pit crew, well, maybe, maybe this morning is not the morning to ride him really hard, right? Right. That's, and like you said, leadership is hard. You, ha- you, ha- you have to acknowledge the emotion. But at the same time, okay, well, you know, this means we're not going to make our quarter. And what can I do to help, including what's the right time to talk about this? I think we've taken turns sending each other home on, on <laughs> multiple occasions. <laughs> like, hey, you're, uh, you're a little worked up right now. I'm gonna let me handle this meeting. You, uh, why don't you head yeah. out? Uh, <laughs> nothing good's going to yeah. happen here. Have yeah. you guys had leaders that, did that for you that when you were not in a good place, they were like, Hey, let me where you either reached out to them or they just came alongside of you. The, the first person that comes to mind is a coach who seemed to have some sort of super spidey sense. She was like, she could walk into a room and all of a sudden she had a read on everybody. And yeah, she sent me home a couple of times or pulled me aside to say, okay, something's not working right here. I did have one person in business who was like that. Um, the, the, the contrast between, you know, sort of the standard definition and what these people did was so powerful that when I was in a position to help people or lead people, that I, I went straight to that. You know, I had, a, I had a coach one time defend me in public 
and then absolutely ripped me apart behind behind the scenes. And I, I just thought there was immense power in that, right? Like he was willing to he was willing to take that on and, and, and get in front of me. And then when the cameras turned off, it was uh, the lesson was imparted after that. But um, you know what that you know how does that feel? It makes you want to play big for that person. It makes you want to, you know, go through walls for that person. It makes you, you know what I mean? Because they, cause they, you messed up, but they stood right beside you and actually took some, took some bullets for you. And, and I just, uh, I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. It, it made me understand more of what was happening in a way, right? So the, yeah, there's personal loyalty, right? Like my coach, if my coach asked me to do something, you know, it was, it, it was almost always yes, even before she finished the sentence, right? Because she was that way. But at the same time, I do remember, I, I do remember driving home from practice one day thinking, all right, so she sees the whole picture, right? She just doesn't see this one little thing that's happening at practice and trying to figure it out. But in some ways, she was talking to me about my whole life, right? Mm. And that I found to be immensely valuable, especially when it came time to hire and fire and, and get people situated where they were happier and more productive and the company worked better because it was really about, well, who are you and what do you want to do, right? And having that discussion with them well, it, it helped change the definition of failure. I've had, uh, I've had both, I got both experiences. <laughs> so there, you know, on one side, there's, uh, some people I don't really care for still to this day that just <clears throat> at a moment where I, you know, maybe could have used a little help and mm -hmm. didn't get it. Um, and then I've had, I had a, a guy where I, I screwed something up and then he took the blame mm -hmm. for it. And, and I, I, to this day, the opposite, right? I'll do anything if that guy called me right now and said anything, I'd mm -hmm. do it for him. So, um, and I think you learn a lot from both. And I, and like you said, David, you know, you, it's like, man, I didn't even know that was possible that you could do yeah. that. You know, that that's, yeah. that leaders have that power. They can take blame from other people. They can absorb <clears throat> wrong. They could, you know, uh, they can, they can be the selfless, uh, servant leadership kind of person that we all, you know, strive to, to want to be. And, uh, so it told, it, it, it told me that it was possible. And I, and I, it's been a very formidable experience for me. I had, I had two employees who did not get along in general and, but they were both, they were both great employees. And at one point, the three of us were in my office and one of them said, well, well, he and I don't agree about that. And I said, what's, what's the issue? And the, this woman said, well, I think it's my fault and he thinks it's his fault. We don't agree. And I said, you're, you're both excused. Go figure it out. <laughs> That's <laughs> right? awesome. Cause at that, you know, at that point, the attribution doesn't matter so much. They were both taking responsibility. Right. And you know, there was a slight good natured edge to it. But there was also some like, you know, no, this person is wrong. But I, you know, but I let them figure it out. So I think it's I think it's important when you're a leader to, to take that responsibility, 
And when we start to talk about responsibility, which is a thread through all of leadership, when your employee fails, it is your responsibility, if not your fault, right? Correct. Because that's how the chain of responsibility works. If somebody fails, a leader's got to look inward and say, what, what did I do that could have possibly contributed to this outcome? And what can I do to keep that from happening again? Not easy at all. Well, I think we've taken this around the bend, as they say. And I hope whoever is listening can take away some practical things. We're always here for questions and reiteration. So until next week, we are going to be signing off. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thank you.